Well, here we are, Christmas 2019. One of the prominent themes, one of the prominent emphases of Christmas is light. We put lights on our houses. My wife thought we didn't have quite enough, so I had to add a few more yesterday. We put lights on our trees. We put lights on our businesses. We decorate whole communities with lights. We put lights in our churches. We light candles. We sing about being merry and bright. In fact, there's even a Hallmark movie entitled Merry and Bright. If you haven't seen it yet, it has the same plot and characters as the other 600 Hallmark movies. I'm not dissing Hallmark movies. I actually really like Hallmark movies. As followers of Jesus, we celebrate the light of Christ's coming. He is the light of the world. But there's also a dark side to Christmas. There's no question there's a dark side of Christmas. This humorous scene highlights the darkness of materialism, entitlement, selfishness, disrespect. And of course, in addition, there's the darkness of loneliness, the darkness of grief, loss, broken relationships, desperation, despair. The number of suicides increase during the Christmas season. Mental health issues are elevated. The Christmas season magnifies the painful realities that we're facing in our lives. And so Christmas is not just about what we're getting, but what we can never have. Christmas is not just about who we're with, but who it is that's missing. Truth is, dating back to that first Christmas, that birth of Christ that we celebrate in this first Advent, Darkness and light were prominent themes in that first biblical account. Two forces at work against each other. And what we see as we read uh, Luke's account that we heard this morning in chapter 2, what we'll see is this. While the reality of darkness dominates culture and people, suddenly... As if out of nowhere, God's light brings hope and changes everything. That's what Luke is showing us in that first Advent. The title of my message today is simply, Suddenly. Suddenly. And we're going to consider Luke's account of the angels appearing to the shepherds, announcing the birth of the long-awaited hope of Israel, whose coming would change and has changed the course of history. So let's begin by considering the darkness. Luke begins chapter 2 by telling us that Caesar Augustus is the emperor of Rome at the time of Jesus' birth, that Herod is the king of Judah, ruling that area on Augustus' behalf, and that Quirinius is the governor of Syria. He frames the birth of Jesus in terms of what is happening politically at the time. Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. 
And Julius Caesar was acknowledged and worshipped in the Roman Empire as a god, small g. Caesar Augustus then, in turn, was seen and worshipped as the son of God, small g. He was known as the savior of Rome. The overriding policy during his reign was Pax Romana, which means peace in Rome. There was an absence of revolt. There was a suppression of revolt and rebellion. But personal peace was lacking in the hearts of the people of Israel. Luke informs us that Augustus required a census. He's not interested in the collection of demographic statistics so that he can better understand and assist and serve the people under his rule and in his kingdom. That's not his intent. His intent is to find out how many people there are, register them so he can tax, increase the tax burden upon them, and then determine how many fighting men are available to him, are at his disposal to help him suppress the people in his kingdom. The reality is the Jewish people were under domination. They despised the Romans, the oppression being forced by these rulers from the outside. In addition to the darkness imposed by these brutal outsiders, there's a darkness that I believe was even more profound within the spiritual realm of Israel a nation whose whole identity and purpose was rooted in and revolved around the one true God, capital G, being central to their lives, being central to their faith, being central to everything that life entailed. But spiritually, things are very dark. We understand from history that many in the priesthood are corrupt. They've exchanged compassion, leadership, spiritual direction and representation between the people and God. They've traded that in and instead are pursuing after power, wealth, and pretension. Their covenant with God that was once rooted in relationship with God is now controlled by legalism that is too heavy for most to even bear. And so Luke sets the story of the angels appearing to the lowly shepherds against the backdrop of the pitch black of night, totally engulfed in darkness. The darkness of this night on the hills of Bethlehem symbolized the darkness, the pain, the hopelessness, the grieving of a nation that's overwhelmed with despair. They longed for their Messiah to come, their Christ, their anointed one, to liberate them, to restore Israel, to bring hope back to them. And so here they find themselves in the darkness with an expectation that there is one who's coming. It's bad now. It's dark now. It's been dark for a long time. But a savior is coming someday, at some point, but they don't know when. Light. The time came for God to respond to the longing and expectation of his people. 
Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 states it like this. But when the set time, the right time, the predetermined time, God's time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now this account that we heard read this morning and we're looking at for a few moments today is actually the third record of angels appearing with a message in only the first two chapters of Luke. The first being Zechariah ministering before the altar of the Lord. Pastor Mark touched on that last week. He dealt with that last week. But in that moment, the angel appeared to him and made an announcement about the birth of a son, John, who was going to be the forerunner to establish and prepare the hearts of the people for Jesus. We see that angelic arrival and announcement. And then we see after that, the angel appears to Mary, this teenage virgin, and tells her that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her and she is going to conceive and she is going to conceive the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. And so you have that second angelic announcement and now we see a third with the shepherds. Now, what really caught my attention as I read this story in recent weeks, is that it says that it happened suddenly. Suddenly. And that word just really captured me. Suddenly. What does that mean exactly? And so as I begin to dig into that, I, I'm discovering that it means that you're expecting something, but it's kind of unexpected at the same time. So let me try to, well, I'll give you a personal example. I expect to die. I do. This is not a time to clap for those of you who are getting your hands ready. I expect to die, but I don't know when it's going to be. I'm expecting it, but I, I don't know when it's going to happen. Luke in, in, in Acts chapter 1 and 2 tell us that Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. I want you to wait because you need to be empowered with the same Holy Spirit that empowered me for my ministry. You need that in your ministry, and so I want you to wait. And so Jesus left after 40 days, and on Pentecost, which means literally 50, 10 days of waiting, of expecting. They're expecting this empowering, but then it says suddenly. So they're expecting it, but when it comes, it's sudden. Paul talks about it when he talks about the return of Jesus. He tells us over and over, you got to live with the second coming of Jesus in view. You got to see it. It's got to shape your life. It's got to shape how you live. You got to be ready in a moment because you don't know, because you know, you got to expect that Jesus is coming because when he does, it's going to happen suddenly. And so you're expecting it. You believe it's going to happen, but when it happens, well, it happens suddenly. And that's what's happening in this text. They were told that a Messiah was coming. The prophets all pointed towards it. And Luke's story is a record of that sudden moment when God bridged the former days and the last days, when suddenly, suddenly, after all those years of waiting and praying and longing, all the prophecies of the anticipated Messiah began to be realized. I mean, I think suddenly is the most exciting word of Christmas. I'm not sensing the same excitement in you as I have in me. 
Although suddenly it's changing. Suddenly. And so Luke's story is that moment. That moment when the Son of God, small g, small s, is occupying the Roman throne and the true Son of God, capital S, capital G, suddenly comes in human form. And who is he announced by? We think of, you know, we often read, and a he- ho- heavenly host, the choir of heaven shows up. Let me tell you, the heavenly hosts are not the choir of heaven. The heavenly hosts are the armies of heaven. And the armies are present because the king is present. The big S, big G, son of God, is born. In a time of Pax Romana, of legislated peace, of suppression, of rebellion, suddenly peace came to earth, to human hearts. In a time when major rulers lived in the biggest cities, Jesus was suddenly born in Bethlehem, the city of David, of approximately 5,000 people. Otherwise, a very insignificant place. In a time when Herod and Augustus and Quirinius were occupying palaces and wealth, Jesus occupied a stable, a manger, wrapped in rags, pieces of cloth. And what is most remarkable is the announcement of the birth of the long-awaited Messiah didn't come to the priest. It didn't come to the scribes. It didn't come to the teachers of the law. It didn't come to the Pharisees. It came to the shepherds. The shepherds. The profession of shepherd at the time of Jesus' arrival was the bottom of the occupational food chain. Shepherds would not even be called as witnesses in the courts because it was believed that they were liars. They lacked the credibility to be a valuable witness. And isn't it ironic that the very ones that society and the religious establishment saw as lacking credibility were the very ones that God chose to be his primary witnesses. That's just God. This is not accidental. This is intentional. God is making a statement here. The light has come. But the light is not just for the rich and the, and the, you know, the higher ups and those who are esteemed and those who hold high positions and those who are seen to be more spiritual. No, the light had come for all people, the least likely people, everybody, the poor, those without honor, the marginalized. Yes, even shepherds. Suddenly, light filled the darkness and everything changed. My Christmas gift to you is that I only have two points, so I'm going to the application. Merry Christmas. There are two applications that I'd like to draw from our scripture today. The first is living in darkness. The truth is in this Christmas season, there are many people 
And perhaps some of us in this room this morning, entering the Christmas season, the season of hope, of peace, of love, of joy, of light, entering the season completely engulfed in a darkness that has been created by painful realities. Suddenly, the lights went out. Suddenly, darkness permeated our lives. Suddenly, everything changed. And we're carrying that into this season of Advent. Perhaps for some of us, it's loss. Someone you love passed away. It's left a hole in your heart. You weren't, you're not, weren't ready to let them go. You're not ready to let them go. You're discovering what life is now looks like without them in your life. And the season where everyone else seems to be celebrating for you is a reminder of what's missing from your life. And so it's lonely and hurting and disoriented. It's dark. For some, it was, it's your health receiving that unexpected, life-altering diagnosis. Suddenly, the future is uncertain. Suddenly, you're afraid. Suddenly, you're vulnerable. Suddenly, your focus becomes making the most of the time you have because, quite frankly, you don't know how much time you have left. It's dark. For some of you, it was employment. Suddenly, you were let go. Suddenly, you were left with no means to provide for your family. Maybe you're working hard to find employment, but it seems that many people's story is that suddenly you're unemployable, and it's dark. Maybe it's marriage. Perhaps suddenly you discovered that the person who promised to love and honor and respect you, to be faithful to you, has betrayed you, has broken your trust. And suddenly you're facing something that you never expected to have to face. It's dark. Maybe it's your children. Folks, the honesty is, as followers of Jesus, what we want most for our children, more than all of those other things of education and money and success, skills and talent, what we want most for them is for them to love and serve God. That's what we want more than anything. We can strip all the rest. We can live without the rest. We can live with a D average. Work with me. We can live with a low income. We can, we can live with the fact that you look at your kid and says, that kid has no talent. but they love Jesus, right? I mean, that's what we want more than anything. We just want our kids to love and serve Jesus. That's it. And nothing is more heartbreaking than when we see that not happening. It's heart-wrenching to see that not happening. When we suddenly find out that they're living in sin, compromising the morals and the values that we raise them to uphold, suddenly it's very dark. When we discover that they're addicted to alcohol or drugs, suddenly it's dark. The point is, is that many of us are living the reality 
that we see in our scripture today. And we're naming it right now. We're calling it out. We're we're identifying the elephant in the room. We're engulfed in darkness and we're trying to muster hope like those in Israel were in their day that someday, at some point, something will turn and it will be better. I believe a lot of us can identify with that. Experiencing the light. I want to remind all of us today that as suddenly as the darkness descended upon us, God's light can suddenly break the darkness. As I reflected this past week on this passage, I came to conclude, I may write a book about this, so this is copywritten for the thousands who are listening over the World Wide Web. I came to conclude there are actually three realities regarding light that we have and will experience in our lives. This is not profound. It's very simple, but I thought of it, and I'm often not very profound and quite often very simple, so I'll share it with you. The first is the absence of light. Now, scientifically, and you know, Bible college graduates are very highly trained in the areas of science. Scientifically, darkness is simply the absence of light. Okay? God didn't create darkness. Darkness was what was nothing before God began to create. He illuminated the darkness. All of us are going to experience things that can eliminate the light from our lives. That we're going to find ourselves suddenly caught in the dark struggling to find our way. So so one reality is the absence of light. The second reality is the absence of darkness. Now, this is the opposite extreme of the absence of light. And as followers of Jesus, God has made a promise to us, a promise that someday there will be no more darkness. So we see scriptures like Revelation 22.5. And I'm going to ask you to read it with me because sometimes when you read the words, they resonate deeper, and I really hope these do. Revelation 22.5 says, There will be, come on with me, no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. The translation there is that the brightness of the Lord God will be so intense that the rest won't be necessary. I have a second one. Isn't this fun? Revelation 21.4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Someday, someday, when Jesus returns, when the second, first advent gives way to the second advent, there will be no darkness at all. His presence will be the perpetual light. A day is coming when darkness will be no more. So we have the absence of light and the absence of darkness 
The third one is the time between. Our scripture today highlights a moment when light and darkness coexisted at the same time. It was dark on the hills of Bethlehem that night. It was dark. It was very dark. But the light of God's glory filled the sky over the shepherds. Now, this is profound. It was still night. It was still dark. That hadn't changed. The darkness hadn't gone yet. The darkness was still there. But in the midst of it, the shepherds experienced the light. While sitting in the dark that symbolized hopelessness and despair and fear and longing, in the middle of the darkest of night, a visit from the glory of God illuminated the skies above them. Folks, until Jesus comes back, we must be a people who learn to experience the light of God's presence and glory in the midst of the darkness. We will experience darkness, but we will also experience light in the midst of the darkness. And it might be dark for you right now, but I want you to know as we go into this Christmas season that even in the darkness, you can know the light of God's love and God's presence in your life. That somehow, like he's filled the sky over that little group of people on the hills of Bethlehem, he somehow brings light over us in our darkness. He's going to give you light as you read his word and cling to his promises. He's going to bring light into your life as you continue to cry out and, and, and pray and spend time with him and meditate and in, be in silence before him. He's going to be with you as you wait in silence. He's going to be with you and bring light as you take the courageous steps that are difficult for you to take, that you know you need to take, that you know you must take, but you can't imagine how you can take. His, his light, <coughs> excuse me, is going to shine down on you in the midst of those moments. I'm going to invite our worship team back. I don't know how many of you know this. Maybe everybody does. But yesterday was December 21st. That part you probably know. But what you may not have thought about is that December 21st in 2019 was the winter solstice. And what that means is it's the time of year when the North Pole of our planet is tilted the furthest from the sun. And the result of that is that it is the shortest day of the year. It is the day out of all 365 days that has the least amount of light. Now, contrary to that, the night is the longest night. 
the shortest day is, is connected to the longest night, which is the longest period of darkness. And what I want to leave with you this morning is this. Literally, as of this morning, when the sun came up, and it did come up, and I want you to know that for any of you who sleep too much, you really missed it today. Because as Jen and I were driving in this morning, there was a beautiful orange ball coming up over Lake Ontario. That, and I didn't even write this this morning. That reminded me even more. Yes, this morning begins the turning point. Today, there's going to be more light than yesterday. And tomorrow, more than today. And Tuesday, more than Monday. And Wednesday, more than Tuesday. And so on, and so on, and so on. Every day, the light will increase. For those of you who would say, this is the darkest day of my life. Good news. Good news. Because your life can begin to give way to light today. If you sit back and do nothing and whine and complain and wallow in your sorrow. No. And I'm really good at that. There is nobody on this earth better at pity parties than me. I'm really good at them. I'm an expert. If you ever want to throw one, I'm your pity party planner. If you are willing to allow the light of God's love and presence to shine on you, despite the darkness that surrounds you, folks, the goal is not the elimination of the darkness. God's going to take care of that miracle when Jesus returns. That's the answer to that prayer. The goal is to learn how to experience and to discover the light right here in the midst of the darkest moments of your life. You see, while the reality of darkness dominates our culture and our people and even God's people, suddenly, suddenly as if out of nowhere, God's light brings hope and it changes Everything, everything. Would you stand with me this morning? I've asked our worship team to conclude or to lead us into this prayer time with a specific song because many of us have experienced what I'm talking about this morning. We've somehow, by God's grace, discovered light in the midst of the darkness and we can celebrate the faithfulness of God even though our circumstances have been painful and horrific. And I just pray this morning that as those of us who know this firsthand sing this song, that some of you who just can't seem to pull yourself up and seek the light that he brings would be encouraged to believe that yes, God is faithful, that he is suddenly the one who brings light in our darkness. When we go through some of the things I talked about this morning, there's no getting over that. When people say, get over it, move on, you can't. There's a hole in your heart and your life that you learn to live with for the rest of your days. 
but somehow God's light and his love helps you to be able to function and accomplish and not waste those days, but embrace them for all that God still has left. You may have lost someone, but listen, you didn't lose the plan and purpose for your life. They may be gone and that's sad and heartbreaking, but God still has something for you. He has something for you. It may not be all the realities of Christmas this season. You can't go back and make your your spouse be faithful when they weren't. But somehow there's a miracle of grace and healing that God can bring that despite that scar and that wound, we can move forward and embrace the days ahead. Learning how to find light in the darkness while we wait for the day when darkness will be no more. Lord Jesus, we we echo those words this morning. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. We've long been expecting, and our forefathers before and before them and before them, waiting and expecting, and we know that in a moment, suddenly, everything is going to change. And we live for that day, Lord Jesus, and we long for that day where there will be no more night. There will be no more darkness. There will be no more pain and no more tears. But until that day, would you grace those of us who walk in darkness with light so that we can find truth and know you? For those of us who have been sidetracked with the sudden and on expected darkness that have veiled our lives, would you bring light into us and give us hope and purpose so that in that time between complete darkness and complete light that we would know the light of your life in our lives in the midst of the darkness learning that we can trust you learning that you are faithful learning that there is love and light and hope that can be discovered in the midst of the darkness. And Father, as nature, as heaven and nature sings this morning, that today the light will be longer and tomorrow the light even greater. May that be the reality in each of our lives that from this moment forward, your light would continue to increase in us until that day when it is fulfilled in its completeness. As we leave this place today, Lord, may those who came in darkness lead, leave under the mantle of your light over our lives. Perhaps some of us are going back to some dark places, dark reminders, dark realities. Lord, would your light go with us? Lead the way. Shine in the darkness. Bring hope to our hopelessness, to our despair. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.